Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Jeff Raley, who's the founder of BestQuote. Jeff, welcome. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start with a quick pitch for BestQuote? Yeah, BestQuote is a white-labeled software tool for home improvement contractors that gives them some efficiency in the sales process. Uh, We collect better information for contractors to consider before they make a site visit. Make that a little bit more tangible for me. If I'm a contractor, what's my user experience? And if I'm a homeowner, what's my user experience? So uh, right now we've got an MVP out there. So uh, the current experience is is a a little trimmed back from where it's going to go. But Generally, as a contractor, my tool sits on a contractor's website and collects user information, homeowner information, and sends a homeowner a text message, generally replacing that first initial phone call. And then uh, a homeowner gets that text message and walks through a, a survey and uploads a video describing the work to be done for their project, just as they would if the contractor were actually in the room with them. And then that information goes back uh, in a light version of a CRM. And uh, we also have some notifications that allow the contractor to kind of decipher the lead, understand the project a little bit more so they can uh, understand the best uh, mode of follow-up. Awesome. Hit us with current status of the company, any vanity metrics at all you want to share that can be fundraise, revenue, number of customers, number of projects completed on the platform, number of quotes that have gone out, like anything at all that'll help paint a picture for where you're at? Sure. So... uh, we are pre-funding, haven't taken any money bootstrapped to this date. I've got a self-built MVP out there. And I'll probably say I because I am a solo founder and looking to round out the team here sooner than later. I uh, have some active conversations going on that front, which is exciting. In terms of other metrics, I've got a handful of early adopters. Hope to close the year with uh, a couple of more. Those are paying clients. And I'm approaching... 100 videos uploaded through uh, the system as well. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Can I ask how many text messages had to go out to get the 100 videos in? Um, Do you know that? Yeah, the conversion rate is roughly 70%, I'll Whoa, say. That's pretty high. Yeah, so I've, part, of the, part of the system is also reminders. So contractors, you know, contractors in quote, uh, send a reminder to the homeowner. Uh, so my system automates that to... Uh, consistently remind homeowners that they yet have yet to complete the process. What are the odds that I fill out the form on the website, get the text message, and then 10 minutes later still get a phone call from the contractor? Uh, working on that. Yeah. So part of that's just the onboarding process and making sure that that team is aware of the the process, the new process for a best quote lead versus other, you know, just a simple form fill off of a website. So that has happened, but it's getting better just as a uh, learn about the rollout and and training the team. So talk about that a little bit. Walk through your sales cycle with a maybe kind of from first contact to they're onboarded and using BestQuote. Walk through that process with a contractor. Who's a, who's a good fit? Who's your target market? How, how do you approach them? I, I'm We have many of the products or founders that I talk to on this podcast are kind of B2B focused. So I'm, it tends to be a great place to start a conversation. 
Yeah. And, and what's interesting about the market that I'm selling into is um, it, it is B2B, but in many respects, it is kind of a B2C sale. So the buyers are largely the owners of these companies. Uh, the typical prospect is the ideal customer is a business owner who's either a kitchen bath renovation or what I call specialty trades, painting, epoxy floor coating, uh, those types of things. That's like its own thing. It right? is. Okay. It is. If you if you want to spend, uh, you know, maybe fifteen hundred bucks to get a nice coating on your garage floor, I and oh, you live in Indianapolis. Got, got it. Got it. Okay. I've got the person for you. So um, you can give them some airtime if you want. <laughs> <laughs> totally cool. Yeah, they're actually booked out for a while. I wasn't thinking of garage floors. I was thinking of like epoxy coating for like a hardwood floor or something because I'm an idiot. So yeah, it's, well, yeah. You know. All right. There, that sale is typically talking to the business owner or uh, kind of the general manager. Lots of times I end up talking to kind of the office manager who's you know, scheduling jobs, answering the phone, um, doing some procurement of materials, that type of thing. And that business owner is ideally, you know, a little bit younger, maybe not so stuck in the ways, in their ways and uh, willing to look at other ways of doing things. Likely already has some technology launched on the CRM side. A good indicator for me is that they have a website that's mobile friendly. I use that as a, uh, as a, as a screening tool uh, a good bit. What percentage of them are mobile friendly? Uh, I'm probably a bad person to ask that because I, I, I write the ones I'm, I'm pretty good at understanding if they're, but it's harder to build a website nowadays. That's not mobile friendly, isn't it? Cause yeah, like everybody's yeah. using Wix or Squarespace. Well, and that's, like, that's what I would say is that it's a very high percentage, okay. but I also, um, I, I just don't see the other ones, you know, it's kind of like, I, I just throw them off the list right off the bat. So, but I mean, th- that's a good point. A lot, a lot of contractors, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot to have a decent website and to even get a little bit of basic SEO going. Another thing I look for is whether they're spending ads on Google ad. Oh, you yeah. Know, nice. Or even, I mean, next level is their Facebook presence and their Instagram following and, you know, whether they're active there. What? Face. No, I'm smiling because I know you were talking to uh, one of my friends who runs a construction company recently. And I'm smiling because he's all proud of his Instagram presence, his game. <laughs> and so when you said that, it just made me smile. So, so you, would, you would be surprised at how many people or how many contractors um, are active on, on Instagram. And as I look as a go-to-market strategy, that is a, absolutely a... Uh, a tool target contractors who are active there. They are just fit the bill of my target contractor for, for a lot of reasons. So, nice. Yeah. Okay. So you identify them, you have that first conversation. How much of your sales cycle is an education process versus them? Like you, you give the pitch and they're like, heck yeah, I know how we do like, you know, like sign me up. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot more sign me up, let's go than there is education. Really? Um, and it's partly because I've gotten better at pitching it, figuring right? out who it is. Uh, you know, the pitch used to be, you know, qualify leads and the buzzwordy type stuff. But really what works is when I talk to a contractor and say, do you, do you spend about an hour or an hour and a half of your time on, on a site visit? And they usually say yes, because they're driving around and, you know, committing that time. And then I ask them what their close rate is. is usually it's roughly 30%. For higher dollar projects, it's even lower than that. 
but for kind of the commodity type things like a painting contractor, you know, if you want to get the exterior of your home painted, more often than not, that's a 30% close rate for a contractor who goes out to the site. Um, so if I get yeses to those two questions, which is often the case, then I can turn that conversation to say, here's a better way of doing it. So that's getting, getting easier as I've kind of figured out uh, the sales method there. When you think of competition for best quote, what comes to mind? Uh, I think what comes to mind, one of the things I'm working on is, is understanding the mental space of people I'm talking to on the investment side, but also from contractors. There's a lot of marketing power and just headspace that marketplaces like Angie's List and Home Advisor and Thumbtack and all the others maintain in people's heads. So that's a conversation I sometimes have with contractors is, you know, this is very different than that. This is a white labeled tool, but still it's worth, it usually comes up in terms of how the contractors think about their spend or, um, you know, how they're looking at their sales process. So, and I always look to understand if they're using those tools, because that tells me a lot about their sales function in general. Outside of that, there are some specialty kind of niche players doing similar types of things, usually on the square foot or linear foot type basis. So if you're painting a room or you have carpet or flooring, those are largely priced on a per square foot basis. And so there are some tools that will kind of build an estimate for that type of a project based on just unit basis that do maintain some competitive uh, features for those specific type of, types of trades. So there, but there's others out there too, in terms of getting contractors and homeowners synced up a little bit more efficiently to deal with communication issues. Um, there's a whole bunch of other players in there, but the, ma- the market is so fragmented that nobody's really won yet. And are you targeting in, I don't know the right way to ask this, uh, so I'll butcher it and then you can fix my question and answer okay. it on the other side of it. So are you targeting uh, like independent owner operators? Or are you targeting somebody who runs like a painting franchise? Are you targeting like it's a, a little bit of that question is when you think about when I think about what it means to take a B2B product to market and you've got to, if you've got to roll up 20,000 individual sales versus, I, you know, if I can get some of these folks who have franchises across markets, then obviously that makes it easier. Talk talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So in the MVP stage, it's absolutely been just one one off mom and pop type small business owners. In the future, there's absolutely a strategy to develop partnerships with some of these groups or even private equity backed that own a swath of franchise groups, properties, and each of whom have 100 200 plus properties across the the country. So going forward, that will be a strategy. But given the product's maturity right now, you know, I'm I'm taking the time to learn and walk through that, you know, initial go to market with smaller contractors. And then um, how do you make money? Yeah, so this is a SaaS model. So um, it is a monthly subscription. And the, the pricing is based on basically save the time on the site visit using best quote and you'll pay for the tool. So that's kind of how I pitched contractors. I haven't yet run into uh, pricing objections, which is a good thing. It gives me some room to grow in the, and even in the near, near term. Can I test that? Sure. What's your retention to date? 
so I started out with free trial. And there's a whole lot of things that run into retention outside of pricing that we could, I'd love to talk about. But, um, but in terms of a pricing perspective, I haven't had anybody churn from pricing. Why have they churned? You don't have to answer yeah, that. Yeah, no, uh, pretty transparent on that. I mean, this is an MVP product. I mean, that's, that's the, the gist of it. However, I have extended a free trial as I'm working on more MVP-ish type features that, you know, yes, take some effort at this point in the game, but also give me the opportunity to learn in that kind of low-code environment to understand what needs to be built in the future. So it's all, it's all part of the learning process at this point. Right on. Talk a little bit if you can or want to, which you don't have to. Talk a little bit about the like where this product goes in the future. So paint a picture of best quote three to five years from now. There's absolutely an opportunity for the product as it is and the, the current feature set and even the near-term feature set that I have in mind to expand. And I think the umbrella over top of those features and the, the benefits that they deliver is general customer experience. You hear customer experience a whole lot in terms of very innovative markets and innovative products. And Apple's a great example of that. Great experience with their product. Tesla's another one. Um, kind of thought of everything. Contracting's not a whole lot like that. So, And they certainly need the help of technology to get there because business owners themselves largely don't have that focus. So that's generally my goal is to build features underneath that umbrella. Do you think the product remains focused on residential in the long run? Do you think there's a commercial component? I do think that there, you know, that that's my career as started in commercial construction. So I know a whole lot about that. When I started in commercial construction, it was, um, it was all paper drawings. And I entered just at the time where that was transferring over into digitized drawings and digitized processes for submittals and all the other things that go into putting a, you know, a hundred, $200 million hospital together. So that is an interesting uh, opportunity. I think video does have the ability to smooth out some of those processes. Uh, and it's something I'd explore in the future for sure. Nice. All right. So let's go Back to current competition today, or maybe even status quo today, how do you, uh, when you think about measuring the end user engagement, which I guess is the homeowner today, right? How do you, how do, you do that? What are you looking for to, to tell whether or not the solution is working? Uh, a couple of things. One is just that they've responded and engaged. That's a, that's a pretty easy one. The other one is the quality of the information portrayed. Being an MVP, some of the first videos that I got through the system were, you know, a video with no talking. So you might think that's intuitive to talk through the project, but that's something that I had to remind uh, homeowners of that that's very important. Um, I actually don't think that's intuitive. I would really, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I well, I could see myself doing it, just walking yeah. through and like just taking video and then uploading it without thinking of audio at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that's happened. So we've adjusted some messaging uh, in there to promote that. So that's, that's part of it. But generally, I've been surprised at the quality of the videos that homeowners have uploaded. Um, I'd say even on the audio thing, you know, no, no description of the product, say, you know, 10, 15, 
15% of the videos coming through are, are like that. Um, and, you know, 70 plus percent have very, what I would say, very high value to the contractor. So those are two things that I'm, I'm looking out for. I, I have started to go down the path of working down the, the feedback loop with homeowners as well. So not enough data there to report quite yet, but um, that's part of the plan as well. What are your thoughts on kind of emerging technologies in this space? Specifically, I'm thinking about things like we have a, one of the startups in our portfolio does some augmented reality work. And I've seen them do some things like, uh, you know, in the when you're capturing the video footage, right? Like you can do some spatial dimensioning, right? So it could we could scan this room, and in theory, with some degree of accuracy, which might currently be questionable, it might tell you dimensions of this room, right? So I know that wall is eight feet, and that wall is eight feet, and therefore, you know, what kind of what you're saying, right? If you're painting, here's you maybe could very quickly kick out some of those key dimensions for certain projects. And I don't even know if that technology is there yet, where it's reliable enough for quotes and things like that. But but certainly, when you fast forward five to fifty years, because <laughs> like who knows when it'll be ready for prime time. But when you fast forward, at some point, you can totally imagine a world where somebody uploads that video, and not only are they getting a quote back, but they're maybe even getting mockups, you know, back on top of those photos or videos and things like that, where you can, you know, you could show a virtual rendering of that space. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of opportunity there. Is anybody doing that or trying to do that? Yeah. So there are several venture backed companies out in the Valley are working on, I I wouldn't say it's the equivalent of the uh, room sized computer, but it's kind of like that kind of a clunky solution that, um, based on kind of computing power and what needs to be measured and the, the intake ports for that data to be brought in to compute on uh, is just clunky and not quite ready for prime time, as you said. However, everybody or many people are familiar with the AR kit and the AR tools that the iPhone has and the Android uh, devices have at least, I think so. Some of that is relying on an a what's called an AR session, which is not not usable by a browser, not accessible by a browser right now. So um, there's some kind of user uh, there's a user gap there to get somebody from their browser into a another app. So yeah, so instead of a text message where you say just send us back a video. Now let's go download our app. That's right. Launch it. That's right. Do the thing. So there's, but there's a lot, there's a lot happening in that space. There's a company called Hover who does kind of exterior measurements for roofing, siding, gutters, and they'll take a handful of photos and put, basically put it into a model. That's not photos being taken by homeowners. It's photos, photos being taken by contractors who then can produce a very, very slick looking estimate in a, in, a sh- in short order. Got it. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. 
Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. How do you balance your time between product, supporting current customers, sales, fundraising? I, I believe you have a family. Like, I, like how do you, so I'm, I'm always curious when I meet a lone founder, like, what does that look like for you? Or what are some of the ways that you try to, to, to figure out where to be spending your time at any given point? I have, since I started this journey about a year ago with this specific effort on best quote is I, you have to ask for a lot of forgiveness of yourself and from the people who are close to you because your headspace is completely bogged down. You're working hard, working long hours, and you're also probably making promises to yourself and to others that you're not keeping. That's just kind of how it is as you're in this stage. So for me, I just, my, my system is to write basically all of the areas to where the tasks line up. Typically it's fundraising, new customer acquisition, product work, and um, any current client needs or requests. And those go into a list in my notebook because that's the way that I found I'm most effective. And I work through, develop a, a weekly plan, uh, weekly checkboxes on each of those uh, sections. Usually in terms of triage, it's current customers come first, new customers come next, new product features are probably after that. And then investment has been a little bit lower on the, on the list, but that's uh, going to creep up here soon. And when you, when you actually then go to execute that, how do you keep a fire that breaks out in one of those other areas derailing you from, you know, the plan that you had made for today, right? Like, so today I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then today happens to you. What does that look like? Yeah. yeah it's like, I think they always attribute the, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the right. face yeah, to yeah. like Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson or whoever. Yeah. I don't know if it was him, but I love the quote. The answer is I, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, largely I have to react and it, and it goes back to the hierarchy of, of, you know, the triage levels. So I, I react when I need to react and that's where forgiveness of myself comes in. Cause I'll, sometimes I'll look at the list and say, I had, I had these things to get done. That was a plan for the week and I didn't necessarily get there, but I also have to be very honest with myself with, uh, you know, did I triage correctly? And, and get things off the list in the right order. Did you do sales before this? No. How's that been? Um, a learning process, but I actually kind of love it. You seem like you would, I, I, my, I did not think you were going to say no there. I had assumed you were going to well, say Well, I mean, it's part of it's just a study of, you know, I found some, uh, just some tools out there and kind of people who talk about sales in the right ways, at least what I would say are the right ways. What have been some of your best resources? Josh Braun, B-R-A-U-N is a, uh, he's, I almost call it conversational selling. I don't know if that's a thing, but it's taking the sales out of sales. 
you know, if, if you've got a product that somebody wants and that somebody's going to derive benefit from, then you can sell to them. If not, then work to understand. Don't sell, work to understand. And there's a way to do that. And he has some tools and some structures and some classes that you can sign up for. And it's, it's a really good a starting point for somebody who, like me, who wasn't in sales. I mean, generally, I like people, I'm an outgoing person and, and maybe have the you know, personality for sales, but there's still the tactic of picking up the phone and smiling and dialing. That is, it did not come easy, but I've done some of that and been able to kind of develop a skill around that. Nice. Uh, that's a nice little nugget. And then you've also been, did I pick up correctly? You're using a, a low code platform? Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of them. Um, I mean, my back end is using Airtable and then uh, Zapier is the glue that holds everything together. Um, and I've got a whole bunch of tools. Sometimes I forget how many are out there, but you know, it works. It's, it's getting the job done. I mean, my goal has been to prove that there's a market for it, prove that even from the very basics of user adoption, I can kind of cross those hurdles and the local tool, loco tools are the, the, a great way to do that. Yeah. Uh, if I had to hit you with some key kind of investor questions, like, do you know your current cost of customer acquisition? So customer cost, cost of customer acquisition is super messy right now. Um, you know, because to be of, clear, it's super messy and well-established business. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, uh, both the promise and the lie. Yeah, so just yeah. so you know. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, you know, I have a, after working in construction and commercial construction for a handful of years and doing some technology work in the commercial construction world, I went back to business school and then started consulting in strategy and finance world. So very familiar with how, uh, you are not old enough for any of this. How, like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry, keep going. So I, I, uh, you know, it's it's essentially five years and five years. So that's that's my timeline. I'm not judging. Yeah, yeah. Well, kicking ass, man. Uh, trying to, trying to. But with that background, I know, you know, even like gross margin attribution and gross mar- what goes into gross margin or what doesn't. It's certainly different for a technology business than it is for, you know, if you're actually selling a, a physical product. So if, if you had to guess at customer acquisition? Um, I don't even know if I'd have a guess. Okay. I mean, you know, the expenses running through the business are uh, very minimal at this point. So it's hard to attribute. Too early is an okay answer. Yeah, too early is, is probably the right answer. Do you have a feel for lifetime value? That's an interesting question. Also ties into the pricing question we talked about earlier. I don't know if I have a good answer for that yet either. That For me, that's the one I always struggle with too. I mean, it, yeah. it's hard to know until you've had customers churn off. For, right? for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, a, for a period of time, yeah. right? So, I mean, at this point, I can tell you they're, you know, going to ride and die with me to the to the end of time but which is uh, turns out in internet years that's five years <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. okay so you bootstrap up to this point how long have you been thinking about raising funds you i guess you're always raising money but you're never raising money is what i've heard so you know i've been um having conversations for a while i mean my strategy on fundraising is generally build relationships with people you trust kind of tell them your story and um, work on developing that into trusted investor relationships. Is that Josh Brown? Braun? Uh, a little bit. 
Interesting. It is. I mean, that's that's generally part of it, right? I mean, no one no one buys what you're selling, whether it's your, you know a slice of equity in your company or the widgets or the software, unless they trust you. You know, and part of that's personal preference too. I mean, that's that maybe a Midwestern approach to raising money versus a you know, here's my pitch deck and are you in or you out in, in the valley type of type of mentality and, you know, cream rises at the top. Can I give you my my quick hot take on that? Please. Which is, uh, so this is a, a different classification for like a, a, a Josh Braun, which one of my favorite sales books that I recommend, which is the exact opposite of what you described is uh, Pitch Anything by Orrin Claff. You know, I'm pretty sure Orrin Claff's not listening to this podcast. So like if you listen to anything or read anything by him, it's like uh, he's got a definite personal flavor to the way that he is. Is that the one pitches? I, I'm going to, I might butcher this, but is that the one where he says, if they offer you a glass of water in the lobby that you should deny it? Uh, maybe. I, I, so I will say, I don't remember. It totally sounds like something he okay. would say. Okay. Yeah. So it's congruent, but yeah, he, yeah. so his big, my big takeaway from pitch anything is this concept of hot cognition and cold cognition, right? When you're with okay. a, bu- when you're with a buyer or somebody you're pitching, you want to keep them in hot cognition, right? I want to keep you thinking about the promised land. How's your life going to be better when you're using best quote? How, how are you going to get rich as an investor by giving me money? How are you going to like, my goal is to keep you there. And the second you start asking me cold cognition questions, like, Tell me what your lifetime value of a customer is. Tell me what your, what your, give me your, walk me through your sales process for how you find a target customer and and what that funnel looks like. All of those are cold cognition questions, which doesn't mean you shouldn't answer them or that that person has no right to know, but it does mean they're looking for a way to kill the deal. Because the only reason you ask cold cognition questions is because you're trying to find a way, a reason to say no, right? Interesting. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, I think the... So it, it's a yeah. it's a super fun... Anyway, it's a great book. If you sell anything or if you're raising money, you should go get Pitch Anything. And I'm totally by Orrin Claff and I'm totally going to get uh, Josh Braun. But when you're talking about your own style, there's, a, there's another book that that made me think of. And this is the one that will make some people listening to this cringe because I talk about this book a lot. And there's no reason to ever buy this book. I'm going to give you the entire book right now. It's a book called Sales Dogs. And it, I'm again, you don't need to buy this one. I, here's the entire book. Basically, there are five types of salespeople, and they each map to a breed of dog. You have the pit bull, which everybody is familiar with. Pit bull is like your cell phone salesperson. You're allowed to say no. Say it quick so I can move on and talk to the next person, right? Like, I, like I'm looking for a yes or a no, right? Then you've got your chihuahua. Your chihuahua is the person who knows everything there is to know about the product, they like, they're the depth of information. They know, they know more about the customer's company than the customer does. Right. I've, I know a, a couple of chihuahuas. It's amazing when you go on sales calls with them, they're like, I read the annual report for the company last night. And you're like, what? <laughs> I, I think I watched a little TV and fell asleep. Like, right. you know, like, like, what do you mean you read the annual report? That's a chihuahua. It's an easy way to tell. Then you've got the golden retriever. Golden retriever is uh, great for enterprise sales. They're like, you're like, uh, procurement department says, I need you to go get me this proof of insurance. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go get that for you. And they're happy to do it. And they come back and then you're like, I need you to get me a new statement of work for X. And they're like, yeah, okay, happy to do it. And they go get it and bring it back to you, right? Like yep. so golden retrievers are awesome for big, huge accounts where sure. you could just get lost, right? But they're, they, they love it there. 
right? Because yeah. like they're just happy to make people like I'm here to please, right? Like I, I want to make this a great experience for you. I'm happy that you're working with us. And it's genuine. It's real, right? Uh, and then you've got the poodle. The poodle is the person that you put up on stage at a conference and they're speaking and it's the, it's when they get into an elevator, they like, by the time they get to the 10th floor, they know the names of all the kids on all the people in the elevator and what sports they play, right? Like the poodle just gets people talking. Everybody wants to talk to them. They're like, they're all about deal flow, right? Like your poodles are the way that deals come into your company. And, but they, it, it, let's be clear, they're poodles. They can't follow up on a deal. <laughs> like, like they, you know, they, like they yeah. just know how to get leads. Yeah. They're not necessarily the best at closing them, at moving them forward, at walking them through a process. And then you have your basset hound. Your basset hound, which is, uh, sounds a little bit like what you were saying. The basset hound is, it's a salesperson, but you'd never know it. They just come up next to you. They want to be your friend. Someday you're going to be like, oh, hey, I need quoting software. Hey, Jeff, you do quoting software, don't you? And you're like, yep, I do. That's right. And because the Basset Hound's never selling you, right? Like they're just reliable. They're there next to you. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're there to be with you. And then someday when you need them, they're right there. And the whole, so the whole pitch of this, this book is like, these are the five kind of archetypes, archetypes uh, for, for sales. And if you're, you know, every salesperson is doing some aspect of all five of these at, at different points of time, right? And if you're the sales manager thinking of a process, how do you manage people through a process? Then you might have different people who are better at this than others, right? So in my world, Michael Corn is often made into a poodle, even though he's also a really good pit bull or bulldog, sorry, bulldog. He's also a really good bulldog and he's also uh, can be a really good chihuahua and he can, you know, like he can do a lot of things, but guess what? He's better at me than better at me than he, he's a, he's a better poodle. And so often he ends up there and I'm a better golden retriever and basset hound than he is. And, you know, so like it's uh it's, it's this really great model for thinking through like, who do I need to be right now? Do I need to be Oren Claff or do I need to be Josh Braun? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, I think there's, you know, there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind. One is, I mean, obviously some sales organization design type of thing, but there's also, you know, uh, it goes back to price of your product, customer acquisition costs, like what are the factors that go into that sales process from a dollars and figures standpoint that might lead you down the road to one or the other, right? Yeah, it's, it's an enterprise versus a, yeah. you know, a couple hundred bucks a month is a different resource. Yeah, getting to a fast no if it's a couple hundred bucks a month is, is really, great. That's a really good thing. The other thing that that comes to mind is, you know, I'm kind of in this like matrix of, uh, you know, another dimension or like the derivative of my product is essentially a sales product, right? So I'm selling a sales product, right? So a lot of the work that I've done in kind of teaching myself sales, I'm able to apply in my own way to teach contractors how to sell. And I think a lot of that, I think generally, part of the conversation I have with contractors is that I think the pit bull approach is what a lot of contractors have been doing or bulldog, pit bull, whatever you want to call it. I think it's it's pit bull. Now I need to go reread the book. Okay. Yeah. I think it's pit bull. (laughs) So I, I think that approach has been, you know, was maybe the more common approach. You know, I've talked to contractors who lament the process of sliding the proposal across the table. Uh, in front of, you know, a husband and wife team who are, you know, both in the buying decision, kind of 
clamping their hands under the table, you know, saying, I hope, I hope, I hope, and not saying anything and not really wanting to leave until they get the job done. So that sales process is um, pretty, that is old school selling in in the contracting world. Um, And it's super prevalent in, you know, Windows and a couple of other trades is kind of just, that's how that sales process has run. But my contention is that homeowners are more informed than ever. They can smell the pit bull approach coming. They have other options thanks to technology and and just the information they have can help them kind of fend off that approach. And so what I'm doing with Best Quote is essentially bending to the will of the consumer and helping contractors bend their sales process to meet consumers where they're at, given their propensity to research and understand and to have the information, it really works in the favor of the contractor to give the homeowner what they want in the process and to sell to them like they want to be sold to. I am so happy with that last two minutes of audio. <laughs> I'm not jo- like, seriously, man, that was beautiful. Good. Like, that was really, Good. that was really, uh, that was like a beautifully articulated kind of vision for what you're doing with this quote. Thank um, you. That's awesome. It might actually be where we need to end it. Plus, it's been 40 minutes. Okay. I went quick. If folks want to get a hold of you or learn more about Best Quote, how do they do that? Jeff at bestquoteapp.com, app, bestquoteapp.com. And uh, that's the website too, bestquoteapp.com. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Love to, you know, grab a cup of coffee if you're in the indie area. But uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on here. Thanks for doing it. I really appreciate it. No problem. thinking of launching a SaaS product? Startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.